the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, Now also we beseech you, brethren, get to know those who labor among you and recognize them for what they are. Acknowledge and appreciate and respect them all, your leaders, who are over you in the Lord, and those who warn and kindly reprove and exhort you. And Paul's dealing with the issue of relationship with their spiritual leaders. But the thing that I pointed out last week that I'll point out again this week, it's not about the person. It's not about the leader. It's about the attitude and the heart of this people being able to yield to the vessel that God put before them. Being able to yield to the instruction that God put before them. Now, this is very important because it's not just about spiritual leaders. Because in the New Covenant context, we are being led in everything. We're being taught in everything. Christ goes before us. His life is using every instance, every situation to grow us and bring us along in truth. The way we exercise that is being able to yield to what Christ has for us where we're at. Now, in the context of church, of the fellowship, you have been brought here and you have been placed in a place where you could receive the Word of God through a person. And you yield to that Word. You bring that Word before the Lord. Yet didn't say it's about the spiritual leader. It's about receiving the Word of God, yielding to the Word of God, being obedient to what He reveals to you through that teacher. Okay? In the context of living life, you have a family you have a wife, you have a husband, you have a job that God has placed you in. And He didn't place you there just so that you would have some sort of temporal means to say, this is where I earn my living. That's not what it's about. Those of you who have jobs, having a job is not about earning a living. Does that surprise you? That's not what it's about. God has promised to provide for you. And he does it through a job. But the bigger truth is that that job is about you coming to know and understand the reality of your relationship with Christ, knowing him in that job. 
being able to allow his life to be manifest in you, even though everything around you is, is flesh and is satanic or is worldly. Being able to stand in the truth when what you believe is being challenged. Being able to walk in a manner of dependence upon the life within you. That's how we grow as Christians. Well, Paul continues with that in that vein, and he says, Also, see that none of you, we ended on verse 15, he says, See that none of you, speaking of the relationship within the church, none of you repays another with evil for evil, but always aim to show kindness and to seek to do good to one another and to everybody. Again, this is about the source and that kind of attitude, that kind of relationship that he's speaking of, is you're not capable of producing. You're not capable of being able to get along with everybody. And if left apart from Christ, you will always seek your good over somebody else's. What he is putting out there for you is how the Christian should react through the life of Christ to one another. The source and strength needed to live out this attitude towards others is the character of Christ. Now, I've told you all this before. There's only really only two ways to live. One is self-centered. The other is Christ-centered. Those are the only two. If you're living Christ-centered, you'd have to put away self-centeredness. If you're living self-centered, there's no way that you could be living Christ-centered at the same time. You're either living in one paradigm or the other. If we're constantly judging others and living out of comparison, then we will always be repaying evil for evil. To stand in self-righteous judgments is a form of evil for evil that the church is prone to enter into. You all know what I'm talking about? That's evil for evil. When we make self and others the focus rather than Jesus, we will not be manifesting the character of Christ. It won't be happening. Now, Paul's going to deal in these next verses with the inner life that should be flowing from the new creation. And we're going to deal with verses 16 through 18 in chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually. Always. Be unceasing in prayer. Pray perseveringly. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. Be happy in your faith. Now, that's a command. Paul says, this is the will of God. This is... God's will concerning you, that you need to be happy. Now, he doesn't say in your circumstances. He doesn't say in your pain. He doesn't say in your, in your suffering. He says in your faith. The people he's speaking to here are enduring persecution. And he doesn't say to them, now guys... I want you to rejoice in the persecution. I want you to be happy in the persecution. I want you to tell everybody how grateful you are to be persecuted. No, that's not what he's saying. While there is a context for saying that, that's not what he's trying to bring across. We are to be happy in the faith. Well, what is the faith? The faith is in our relationship with the Lord. 
It is in where God has us. It is in recognizing who we are in Christ and what God has done for us. You see, these people had to make a choice. If they were going to be happy, they had to be happy knowing that the work of God was greater and that the reward of God was greater, and that the intimacy they experienced in Christ was greater than the circumstances they were enduring. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 talks about the persecution. He says, And you set yourselves to become imitators of us and through us of the Lord himself. For you welcomed our message in spite of much persecution with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. You see, this reflects a choice to be happy to be happy in their faith. And to be happy in your faith is to recognize who you are in Christ and the infinitely greater worth of your relationship and fellowship with the Lord than anything this world may offer. Now, it's not hard, and I don't think it's overly difficult, to believe that heaven one day is greater than persecution today. I don't think any of us would grapple with that one. But we do at times have difficulty embracing the truth that our relationship with Christ is more dear and more precious and of greater value and worth than what this world can give us and offer us. We grapple with that. Because instead of trying to walk in the truth and maintain the perspective that we are spiritual creatures on this planet for a short time for the purpose of growing in the revelation of Christ and coming into the knowledge of all that He is through faith, we're continually trying to pull our understanding of Christ into our circumstances so that we can endure long enough and believe God to deliver us into something better than what we're in now. Did I articulate that well enough? Isn't that typical? It's been typical of my life. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says, For our light and momentary affliction, the slight distress of the passing hour, is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory, beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparison and calculation, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease." Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief, and fleeting. But the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. You see, Paul is seeing the truth of his faith in an eternal context. Do you understand what I mean by that? He's not looking at life from a temporal context. He's looking at life from an eternal context. Everything that happens to him is a part of his eternal destiny in the revelation of Christ. Paul compared his sufferings to the reward of knowing Christ and to the riches of his inheritance in Christ. Listen, if we compare our temporal problems, like the temporal problems that we're enduring today, to the peace that maybe our neighbor has and where he's at, If we compare our poverty to someone else's prosperity or our prosperity to somebody else's poverty, if we compare sickness to health, then we have really no reason to be happy. 
look at your paradigm, and if your paradigm is, I'm happy because I'm healthy, and I'm happy that I'm not sick like Ed. I'm happy that I'm unhappy because I'm not prosperous and I'm not wealthy like Ed. We're living our entire life in the context of this world. And our happiness and our joy is in that same context. And so, therefore, our relationship with the Heavenly Father is in that context. I'm unhappy, Father. I would be happy if you could make me rich like Ed. I'm unhappy, Father. I would be happy if you could make me healthy like Ed. But God says, be happy. Be joyful. Be exceedingly glad. And Paul says, I am. Because you know what? I'm not comparing it to what the world offers. I'm not saying that health is better than than sickness, and I'm not saying that riches is better than poverty, and I'm not going to live in that paradigm. Here's the situation I live in. I have the Lord of glory as my life. I have the riches of His life within me. I have the blessings of all that He brings to my life within me. I don't have to get anything out of this world. I am rich in Christ. I am blessed in Christ. See, Paul had a different paradigm. So, he makes the command. Not he, but God makes the command of you. Be happy. Now listen, if you look at this like most Christians sitting in the pew have looked at it over the years, you look at it as saying, okay, Lord, I'm willing to be happy, but you're going to have to do something about my wife. Or you're going to have to do something about my job. Or you're going to have to do something about my children. I'm willing to be happy, Lord, but, you know, uh, I, I need some strength. I need you to bless me in these areas. Your happiness is totally conditioned upon your circumstances and what the world can give you or take from you. I've come that you might have life in accordance to what the world gives or takes. Is that what it says? Our lives are not in this world. Our bodies, our temporal existence is here. But listen, if we live to this world, and this is cutting it, this is cutting it right to where we live. If we live to this world, we are ever vulnerable and we are never secure and we are never truly happy. Listen, the causes of despair and sorrow are not eternal for the child of God. They are temporary. But the surpassing comfort and joy that we have in the abiding presence of our God is eternal. It's eternally present within us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5 says, For just as Christ's own sufferings fall to our lot, as they overflow upon his disciples and we share and experience them abundantly, so through Christ comfort Consolation and encouragement is also shared and experienced abundantly by us. You see what Paul's comparing his situation to? Do you see what Paul's comparing suffering to and difficulties to? He's not comparing it to Ed. He's comparing it to the abundance of Christ. And let me ask you, how did Paul know the abundance of Christ? 
How did Paul know the richness of Christ? How did Paul know the sufficiency of Christ? By believing and receiving in the midst of poverty, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of all of those things that would take the temporal appearance of those things away from him. Oh, you mean that God actually allowed Paul to fall into a situation where he wouldn't have any visible security? I don't think a loving God would do that. Yes, he would. And does. We live this life by what? Faith. And that's exactly how Paul says, I'm not just going to say I live this life by faith. I can't live this life any other way. And if I'm going to find any joy in being imprisoned and being beaten and losing everything that I have and being stripped naked and being left for dead, if I'm going to find any hope or any joy to compare that to, it certainly can't be just Caesar's lifestyle. It's got to be Jesus. Or it's not worth it. Because Jesus is the only thing greater. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It doesn't say the strength of the Lord is our joy. Think about that. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. One is reckoning upon what we already have. The other is hoping to create it. The joy of the Lord is our strength because we enjoy recognize that we live in a position of strength. To choose to be happy is simply that. To choose to be happy is to choose to see your relationship with Christ as the greater reality. To rejoice is the outward expression of an inward determination to worship the Lord in the soul in the mind, will, and emotions, in that place where all of the struggle takes place, where all the doubts and the confusions and the fears and all of the suggestions of what may happen, could happen, and should have happened seem to enter in. In that receptacle, that vacuum, we are to make a sanctuary of worship unto our God. We are to literally bathe our mind, will, and emotions in truth. You know, some of you are parents. One of the first things you teach your kids as they're learning the proper etiquette for eating a meal is to wash their hands before they eat, right? And then we say a little blessing because we want to let God know that we're grateful that we've got a meal. Kind of touching base there. And we go on from there. Listen, you know what? That's a great picture of what should be going on. You should be washing Everything that comes into your soul in the light of truth, allowing the Spirit of God. And it says literally in the Word that the Spirit of God divides between soul and spirit, between the nonsense that we take in and the truth that He puts in. We should be bathing it all, just like we wash our hands before we eat. Don't, don't own anything in the soul until you've bathed it in prayer, until you've brought it before the light of truth. Soul is to be a place of worship. I'm not saying that we create our own happiness. Don't hear me say that. I'm saying that we're made for it. We can choose it. It's not a mind game. It's the reality of who we are as a Christian. We can literally choose it by faith. Now, if you hear emotions when I'm talking about happiness, 
If you hear that happy feeling, you've missed it. Happiness in this context is speaking of joy. And joy is so much greater than the emotions. Because it is a reality that the emotions will reflect or not reflect, but it will not go away. And you know where there's joy? Where is joy? In the presence of our Lord. In the presence of our Lord. In the soul, we invite what is true in our spirit. We invite the Spirit of God in the middle of it. And we say, you know what? Father, my thoughts will be of you. Father, my emotions. I will not allow my emotions to lie to me. I'm going to reflect the truth. I am not going to allow my will to choose a lie and to reinforce a lie in my soul. I'm going to choose the truth. And in those things, there is joy. Now, for that, that doesn't mean that your emotions are, are high or, you know, like some of these, some of these uh, offshoots of, of spirit-filled... I mean, if you watch that kind of stuff on television, it looks ridiculous. But, you know, the reality of being spirit-filled is, and the joy that comes from that is a sense of confidence in the presence of God. It's a sense of assurance that He is there, that His strength, His provision, His might, His fullness, all that He is, is within you. That's where the joy of the Lord comes from. That's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can have strength when we walk in the confidence of the Lord. That's the joy we're talking about. And we don't create that joy. We literally own it. We receive it. That joy is part of who we are as Christians. We have to own it in the soul and live it out. One thing about Paul. Paul refused to live in a man-centered paradigm. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say, rejoice. The source of happiness for us, get this, is internal. The source of joy for us is internal. It's not external. It flows from our union with Christ, from the Spirit of God. Our natural response to whatever life brings us is to look to Jesus and find joy in Him. That is how we're made to live. This is not something just the really spiritual people do. It is the natural way for the child of God to live. And it's because we live in man-centered paradigms and we think of joy as being a, an emotion. We think of the will of God being fickle like our own. We think of the security of God being threatened by the enemy and by the world. We live in a man-centered paradigm which literally brings God down to flesh and blood and puts Him in a box and we can't find any happiness in our Christian relationship because we're not living in the truth. What God has called us to is a life of joy and a life that rejoices in moment by moment rejoicing. Rejoicing. It's literally you choosing to rejoice about who you are and who He is in each moment. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Well, you know, he gave that for preachers. He certainly couldn't have meant me because he didn't know how sorry a life I'd be living. No. Look, 
if you were feeling absolutely sick, you had some kind of virus that was literally killing you and taking life from you, and you were sitting there trembling and shaking and in all manner of pain and suffering all kinds of things, and I had for you the antidote, and you're, you're just sitting there in all manner of pain, and I said, take the antidote. No, that's not for me. That's not for me. I was made to suffer. No, take the antidote. Ah, no, it's not for me. Take the antidote or you'll just continue to suffer. It was made for you. That's what Jesus is saying. This life was made for you. The new creation wasn't meant to live the way most Christians live. We're to live in the joy of the Lord. We are to literally participate in rejoicing continually. Now, you can't do that when your mind is on you and your circumstances and your situations and, and all the things that are threatening you. You can't do that when your mind is stayed on this world. But you can do that when you recognize that this world is temporal, that the things that have touched your life came through the hands of God. He either allowed it or He caused it, one of the two, because He's sovereign. And He has a perfect plan for you wherever you are right now. And it is the revelation of Christ. And it is for you to walk in abundance. And it is for you to experience joy in. And it is for you to rejoice in Him. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.